This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks, the invoicing tool that I use to make sure I collect all my money in an efficient manner. To claim your free month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Rich Jones. Okay, Rich Jones, he is stuck in corporate. He wants to break free. He's binging on the show. For your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday morning, simply subscribe to the podcast right now on iTunes and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. Okay, Top Tribe, you're listening to episode 253. And coming up tomorrow morning, you're going to hear from Thomas. You won't believe how he has sold over 350 businesses over his past six years. Okay, Top Tribe, good morning, good morning. You're either on your way to work this morning or you're sweating in your morning jog and you're going to really enjoy our guest. His name is Ryan Urban. He's the co-founder and CEO of Bounce Exchange and has grown expertise in online customer acquisition for the past 12 years. Now, prior to founding Bounce, Ryan was head of customer acquisition at Bonobos. So yes, he's wearing bright green pants right now, even though he may not admit it. He shattered new customer growth records there. And as director of acquisition at Brickhouse Secure, he oversaw all channels of marketing, including SEO, PPC, email, affiliate, and media buys. In 2015, Ryan was a finalist for Ernst & Young's Entrepreneur of the Year Award. He's a graduate of Fairleigh, High, Fair, Fairleigh Dickinson University with an MBA and, an, and a BA in marketing and economics. Now, in addition to growing online businesses, Ryan is also an expert in the best eateries in the tri-state area. Ryan, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, good. That but that's such a crappy bio, except for the eatery part. That that is true. So okay, top favorite. Come to New York, and I will tell you where to go. Cheap eats too. Forget the fancy places. No one likes those. There you go. Okay, before we get into the hard stuff, give me the one easy place to eat in the trifecta area. Your favorite one? Oh, um, well, ra- there's a great ramen place around the block from us. Ramen. Um, I'm big on ramen right now. So Tabata. That's 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 pretty good. Uh, Aladoro sandwiches. You want the best Italian sandwich you've ever had? Aladoro, the woman there is so nasty. You have to order perfectly. but And you got to get there between 11 and 2, but get that sandwich. Aladoro. All right, Top Drive, you heard it here first. Ryan, tell us what Bounce Exchange is and how you guys make money. Uh, we, we make money by making our clients money. That That's really it. It's not, not like, oh, let's get some money from VCs and go get some phone momentum. Uh, we care about our clients. Our, our clients our clients are companies that typically have a lot of traffic. So big e-commerce companies, sometimes retailers, sometimes big publishers, and they, they want their traffic to convert at a higher rate. So then we come in and uh, we have a behavioral automation software. We created this new category of behavioral marketing software where we're, we're reacting to people's digital body language. But really, we're just looking at what people are doing on a website and, and how do we make it more convenient for them. And if we do that, they happen to convert at a higher rate. So uh, we've, we've been doing that the last four years. And um, yeah, now we're about 140 people here in New York and we're growing and we, we mess with each other all day. So that's a good Friday. Thing. We're, uh, we got to get a little loopy after this. That's I, good. I got to take my green pants off and wave them around the office. <laughs> that's good. Well, hey, tell me real quick before we before we dive deeper into bounce. Why did you decide to leave? Was Bonobos right before this or was the security firm before it? 
Um, Bonobos was before, before this. So, um, yeah, it was... Um, Why did you I had decide a few, to leave? Yeah, well, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't deciding to leave. It was, it was already pre-decided probably before I got there. It was a matter of, hey, was I going to get traction with, with Bounce Exchange or not? Was I going to be able to pull the right co-founder or not? Uh, I started working on it in probably 2010, but uh, I was already in my 30s at that point, so I know you only have like one or two good shots. So, uh, I wanted to take my time and and really like uh, test out test out different versions of the product, test out different revenue models. Once I figure out what was going to work and and had the right people, uh, you really need someone good to go into battle with. I uh, I that was a mistake I made in my 20s where um, I was pretty always pretty good at executing on things and. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with that is like you can take really bad ideas, which all my ideas then were and still probably are. Uh, but you, I can make a bad idea work for too long. It wouldn't fail. I'm like, oh, it's not going to fail. I'll just make it work. Dude, that's and the, it's a bad that's idea, the scariest it's thing about about all the money right now flowing out of the valley into these startups. That sometimes the people are actually smart, but sometimes they're not, and they get stuck in a really crappy idea for a long time. It makes it hard for guys like you and I to recruit the smart talent because they've got a bunch of money behind them on a stupid idea. That's right. And you and you're and when you're young or whatever age, sometimes you're just too close to the sun and, and you can't see stuff. Uh, and that, that was the problem. And I realized that the, the next the next real company I wanted to give a go at, um, I really want another business co-founder. I want two people who are just gonna be selling and just doing stuff, just kicking ass. So uh, I, I wanted to find that guy at Bonobos and that was that guy was name's Cole. Uh, so once I once I had that, I'm like, cool, let's let's figure this out and then Let's leave our jobs and get paid zero dollars and and um. What did you give up, Ryan? Give us a sense of what you gave up. What was your salary at Bonobos when you quit? Oh, um, I can, I I won't say my salary, but they offered me three hundred thousand dollars plus to stay. So and okay, I turned it. that down to make to to make zero. And I, I think two thousand thirteen, I made. Filler year. Uh, it was our first like real full year. Um, I made a little over thirty thousand dollars that year, and um, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't even get a loan for a wedding the next oh, year, geez. even though I had a, one of the fastest growing software companies in the country. So that's uh, when I see the people, that girl who worked at Yelp, writing to the CEO. I'm like, girl, go get a second job. I mean, that's I'm consulting on the side. I'm doing everything possible just to pay a bill here and yep. pay developers. God. And what it is, so tell us about, this is interesting. Most times you have a business co-founder who says, I've got a great idea. I have some pre-sales. Now I just need to find a developer co-founder. You took kind of a different approach. It sounds like you have a business co-founder. So are there just, or were you guys the two original original ones on the cap table? Uh, no, we, we, had a, we had a great developer too. Oh, okay, um, but he, okay. he, was, he was working and he wasn't in the position to go down and make $0. And he was someone uh, uh, who's still with us. And just, uh, if we didn't have him, we would have been screwed. Um, now we, now we, now we, we have I don't know, 40 engineers or so, but the original guy, uh, Namik, Namik, um, he's, he's a specimen. So, um, you, you need, you need someone that's great, but, um, but he didn't for, have equity. Did you give him equity or you just paid him in cash? Oh no. I mean, at the beginning, like before the company was, before the company was a company, um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was just paying him. Yeah. Uh, actually I made Bonobos when I left Bonobos, I made them pay bounce exchange uh, instead of paying me as a consultant, and I was being used to to pay pay a developer. But once it was full time, yeah, he, a lot of equity. Um, so now, were you able to use basically go in June of 2013 and and tell investors for Bounce Exchange say, look, we already have a client. It's Bonobos. Look at the revenue they're paying me. And is that what helped you negotiate the 1.5 million dollar Series A? Not at all. And and, sc- and screw VCs. Uh, even though I have some great VCs, 
Uh, no, it's, it's, it was like, Hey, we're going to have to self on this thing at the beginning, get some traction. Um, don't want to have multiple VCs on a board making decisions. Just the, the fundamental way software companies grew and the, the ones that grew to billion dollars plus, um, I just didn't believe in it at all. Um, and all these big companies that were these billion dollar plus companies, I'd worked with them all before, whether it was an analytic solution, um, like, uh, like, I'm not sure. um, <laughs> and other stuff that's Voldemort not to be named. It was just a really bad experience. It was a really bad experience in the service side, and it wasn't something I would I would stake my personal reputation on. So, so, so in how did you think? First off, was that a in June twenty thirteen? Was that a price round or was it a debt round? Of to it? go to companies, a single piece of software that I would go into this new company or my friend who worked in another company where I'd say, "Hey, this is good. Go use this. Their service is great. The product is great. It's going to make you money." Not one. Um, and when, when you look at how all these B2B companies grew, it was because they had a fleet of salespeople, a fleet of these SDR sales development reps that are emailing, calling everybody, uh, blogs, white papers, social media, trade shows, spend a ton of money on AdWords, LinkedIn ads, everything. And, and I decided we, we weren't going to do any of those things. And still to this day, we almost do none of those things. So Ryan, um, Ryan, real quick, give us a sense of what is it? It's March, 2016. What's yes. the size of the business currently? How many paying customers are you working with? Yeah, we're, we're about 150 employees. Um, even though it looks like on paper, we've taken on like, uh, I don't know, seven, $8 million. A lot of that just went to, we're in the New York times building right now. And the security deposit was three and a half million dollars. So, uh, we, we were profitable as a business, but we just needed to pay the security deposit to move because we were, we were growing. That's the reason why we took on a lot of money. And also it's good to have, have a little bit of breathing room, um, just in case something happens. But, um, yeah, we, uh, I funded most of it and then Cole came on, uh, and put some money in. So did Andreas from our company. So, uh, we, we put in the initial money, which is really our seed round. And then we we're going to do a series a companies, uh, it would have been really easy to do a five to $10 million one then, but we don't want to give up 30% of the business. And, and we sacrificed valuation just to get a better partner in there and someone who believed in, um, we wound up having to work with a New York VC because West Coast VCs were pumping money in, like hire as many salespeople as possible. We wanted we wanted a business to go organically. We wanted it to be mostly inbound. So Ryan, uh, you you yeah. raised this you raised I think the six point three million in, in August twenty fifteen, right? Uh, yeah. So we went over two years without raising any VC money at all, and 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 that money not not all that money went into the business. Some of it wanted to clean clean up the cap table a bit, uh, but yeah, that was just to have a tiny bit of buffer room. And at okay. that point. I'd say most companies would have been doing somewhere between that, that are our revenue in size, probably a 40 to $60 million rounds. And we, we chose to do one that was like $5 million and so, took money from A-Rod. <laughs> so was your, was your pre-money valuation at the time somewhere around 40 million than in that range you just gave? Uh, uh, I, 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 since we're, we're private, I can't give that. It's, it was certainly, oh, Ryan, uh, come on, you, people come on uh, the show that are private all the time and give, give me a range. If you're not comfortable giving a specific uh, the number, ra- the range, the range would be many, many multiples higher than that. So, Many multiples higher than so eighty right. or one sixty million pre money. Um, so somewhere in between that, but uh, yeah. So our um, when when Inc. Five Hundred uh, launched this year, uh, we so this would be a public number. First time we're giving this out. Um, we collected our first check sometime in two thousand twelve, um, but two thousand twelve we only did like a hundred and five thousand dollars in revenue. Okay, last, last year I think we did like seventeen million. Um, our run rate will try to end this year at. 30, 40 million. Oh, well, well, definitely way more. Than, and in terms of, uh, and, and your MRR, your ARR is your annual recurring revenue or your committed annual recurring revenue. That's the important number for an immature SaaS business like us. Um, but yeah, we, our goal is to finish, uh, goal is to finish 
at that run rate of 40 million this year. So just to be just to be clear, foot top drive, what that means is I ideally by December 2016 or in December of 2016, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are gonna ideally do about 3.3 million that month, which if you multiply by 12 puts you at a $40 million annual run rate. You got it. Awesome. Cool. Um Tell us how many... So I imagine I'm looking at the customers on your website. These look like fairly big customers. So I imagine you probably don't have like thousands of customers. How many customers are you currently working with? Yeah, that, that's... Um, the goal is not to have big customers. We we wanted to move up to enterprise and super enterprise as soon as possible. Um, because say if a website has... And I'll answer your question, I promise. Sure. Say, say if a website has a million visitors, right? And we're charging that website, say $10,000 a month. And a different website has 10 million visitors. We're not charging that 10 million visitor website $100,000 a month. That website might be paying $25,000 a month. And, and that the, the, the website with 10 million visitors also has a more mature customer base, more people with their credit cards on file. So the, the bigger we go market, the more ROI we could actually provide. And uh, when we're charging more money, we can invest a lot more money in, in services and, and give it away for free. So we, it just allows us to make the technology better, put a lot more support, which we do never charge for for our clients. Uh, allocate the more engineers, conversion specialists, graphic designers, data scientists, all that stuff. So uh, moving up market as quickly as possible. That's our goal. So a uh, number of clients, and we're probably on like 700 something websites, but paying clients is, is uh, I think, somewhere between 250 and 300. Okay, or so we might have a client that has sites. 50 websites. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Yeah. And and so 250 customers, and then the uh, what is the average customer paying you on a monthly basis? Uh, well, if, if you count, some customers have a lot of websites. So yeah, that's uh, why it's an average, if, just ARPU. Yeah, yeah. You can kind of do the math. Um, it's a- Averages are very deceiving because we have a lot of uh, legacy clients in, in, in the few thousand dollar range. But uh, going forward this year, it's somewhere between 15 and 20K a month for, for larger clients. And we'll, we'll typically uh, have 15 or 20 people from our team working on their accounts at all times. Got it. Okay, great. That's helpful. So is it, I mean, is, it, is the math simple to do? Do I just take 15,000 as the average revenue per, per you know, customer per month times 250 customers to get you to somewhere near your MRR range? Uh, no, because uh, legacy customers are, are certainly paying yeah, so, less. So what's the average? And, I guess yeah. that's why I asked the average. Well, uh, sorry, I know what you asked, but the, the, average, the, average, the average, say if we took the average, say if you look at someone's average conversion rate, that's a number that doesn't exist in the real world. Say someone's conversion rate is 2%. No, no, no. I, I'm just asking, the uh, take all your customers currently. What On average, right. are they paying you? Even right, well, ones that signed I'm, up seven I'm, years ago. Or- no, I'm debating your question. I'm, I'm going to tell you why it's a bad question. So say it's, when you look at someone's Google Analytics, in your own Google Analytics, so you'll see I have a 2% conversion rate. But if, you, if you're paying AdWords or Facebook for a whole bunch of traffic, that traffic's not converting at 2%. You'll say, oh, it's converting at half percent or 1%. Why is that? Um, when you have a the aggregate number, you have these people who are your good customers, maybe with a credit card on the file, they're converting at five to 10%, but you have a small percentage of those. And then you have prospects that, good prospects might convert at one or one and a half percent. You have crabby prospects who converted a quarter of a percent. But that 2% number, what your conversion rate is, you, don't, you barely have any customers that fit into that swatch. So your mean, your median, your mode, that number doesn't make sense. So say if I say, hey, our average customer is ARPU was eight or 10K. We don't really, we have, very few customers paying that. We would have, we have a lot of customers that were between fifteen and one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then we have a whole bunch in the, I'd say in the the two to five k range, right? So an easier way to do this, if we don't want to do averages and math and stuff, how much how much monthly recurring revenue did you guys do in January twenty sixteen? Well, you you kind of I, I can't I can't give that exactly away, right? Or give we, a ra- or give a range. I hear you I, turn I, around I, to your I, PR people. Your PR people are going, "What the hell? Don't you dare say that!" But say it anyway. Uh, January yeah. twenty sixteen. 
I said what a revenue is last year, and that that's like seven months before it's going to get published. That so. was seventeen million, you said. Uh, yeah, and we we had we had a really good Q4. So it's uh, um, and and seventeen million, Ryan. Just to be clear, that was your total revenue or your run rate based off December. Oh no, to, no, total revenue is what we reported. So our run rate, our run rate would uh, be much would, higher than that. Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, it's, not, it's I'll, I'll put it this way. It's it's not at thirty million yet, but um, uh, hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, dude, you're you look. I don't know why you're bashful about this. You just, I mean, I get it. You want to be private, but you look, you're crushing it. I mean, you're doing somewhere between. I'm, I'm gonna. I think this is right. You're doing somewhere between one point five and 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 two million ish per month in January 2016. Is that right? Uh, yeah, probably hard enough. So, somewhere yeah. in that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then talk to me about, talk to me, cause this is unique, right? You're, you're kind of in the super enterprise market. Um, how are you Not measuring? Yet, we'll get there. Okay. You're getting there. Churn rates. What are your churn rates month to month? Or if they're only annual contracts, uh, you know, year to year. Yeah. I, I the, the number, the number that mo- is most important is to us is net revenue churn. So if we look at the yeah, upsells, expansions of current clients and, and so how much revenue are we increasing from current clients and how much revenue are we losing current clients? Either people that we're reducing the rate that are struggling or companies. A lot of our churn just comes from lower mark, lower end clients that are going out of business or yeah, really net, struggling. Net revenue churn is uh, so fine. Our, yeah, our, our net revenue churn is um, 2014. It was negative. So we actually, it was growing. Last year was a bad break, even a slightly negative. And ne- okay. Negative is good for us. Yeah, that's so uh, that means if we didn't close any new clients, that means our company would still grow. And we are closing a lot of new clients, which is good. So we're uh, that, that number that we only have, we just hired a 10th salesperson. I think at the beginning of last year, we had three people in oh, sales. Ryan, so let me go back. So you're at about zero yeah. right now. You're about about, which is good, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Our yeah. goal and, is to be very negative this year. Yeah. yeah. And top drive, just just to reiterate this real quick. This is like if if all of Ryan's salespeople died, this would be horrible. But let's say they did like today and they just had their current customer base and they could only upsell the current customer base or lose those current customers. They're doing, a, they're, the, you know, every customer they lose, they're replacing that by upsell revenue from from customers they already have. So that's why it's zero percent churn. Ryan, is that right? That's right. And, and, and we, I separate upsell and expansion. So upsell would be a new product line. Okay. Uh, and then horizontal expansion is more like, Hey, you have other properties or other countries that we're going to expand to with the same product. Got it. But you're including both of those when you calculate net MRR right. churn. Great. Okay. Yes. And then, uh, uh, you have an inside sales team, obviously. So I imagine, and you have a, I think a, probably a long lifetime value. Um, what are you spending to acquire these customers? Well, we spend very little. Um, the, I mean, mo- most of our stuff comes inbound and we, we do, and you notice we don't have a blog. We I think we shut down almost all of our social media. Um, we just did our first trade show last month. We haven't spent a dollar in our life on, uh, on like paid actually for our brand term. I think we put like $500 into it because someone else was bidding on it, but we haven't like, at, not like real AdWords spend. When you think, uh, I think your yeah. biggest cost is probably your salespeople, right? So like what's your total weighted CAC? Right. What well, salespeople, salespeople aren't really, uh, salespeople aren't traditionally counted in, in, in your, your normal CAC there. Uh, but yeah, so if it was, if we, like SDRs, other stuff that, that would be our, our CAC last year was over 20 to one, but uh, CAC LTV, yep. but uh, we, that, that LTV is the way the math works in that number. I just, I don't like the, the, the formulaic definition of it, I think is really stupid. Well, give, me, give me the way you're measuring yeah. it, man. I don't want to force you into wrong metrics, but do you have some yeah, ratio the way I measure it is, value it's, and CAC it's, that I you're optimizing at, for? No, I like to look at the CPA more than like CACT LTV. Okay, what's your CPA? Yeah, so CPA, it's, it's and, and you got to look at the different different swatches in the market. So for an enterprise customer, like, hey, what is, like, what do we think our, um, so I'll, I'll do um, I'll do a bottom of analysis. I'll say, okay, well, say we have a certain reps, what are, who who do the sales for, for an enterprise client? What do we think that enterprise client pay us? So say it's like $15,000 a month, right? 
I'll say, let's look at just the first year alone. Say we do a one-year contract and just look at the first year. Now let's let's look at what are our contribution margin dollars on it or contribution margin dollars or contribution dollars. Um, so say our gross margin is 80%, right? Um, so, and if it's 15K, I'll say, let's, let's look at it. Um, so let's times that by, let's times that by 12 and that's 180K. But um, say the margins, the margin is 80% of that. So let's kind of re reduce that a bit and say we're at a number about $150,000. That's, that's, that's the amount of profit I was making a year. Now, if we, we can close, if say if we can close 20% of those very warm leads, let's now let's, let's kind of divide that. Now we have the break-even value is $30,000 for very qualified uh, enterprise demo. Now, what's a good CPA for that? So in our case, like uh, we 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 were historically under a thousand dollars, which means that we we weren't investing enough money in marketing. So now that for that particular swatch in the market, uh, we're at now we're at about three thousand um, dollars. But for lower ends of the market, say like companies that might be paying us ten to fifteen k a month, we might be converting those to a higher rate. Um, uh, we uh, the the value might be even a uh, like that we are targeting them at $2,000 a month and, and some, some leads might be at 500 to a thousand dollars. What's, what's our target. And the, we've, we've always been below our target. So that means like, what is, what is the target? Do you, when you sit down with your management team, do you target three to one CAC to LTV, 21 CAC to LTV? What's your target? I, I don't really look at CAC to LTV. I look at the break even. I look at what, what are we going to make in the first year? Uh, which hopefully gets us to break even. And then I look at our job is to expand upsell and keep, keep that client. So your target is to make sure that you're break even within 12 months. Well, um, way below that. So it's it's we're typically like um, we're typically somewhere between ten and thirty percent of of whatever the break even is over the course of the year, just because it's not um, uh, it's it's also how much how much business our team can support. It'd been very it would be very Wait, easy. Ryan, hold on, hold on. Where I I, I need yep. to make all this clear because I'm getting yes. confused now. So if if a client's going to pay you a hundred grand in a year and you know yeah. that you're willing to pay three months of revenue, is that right to acquire them? If they're paying us a hundred grand. Um, for a year. Our, say, say we're say our gross margin would be 75 or 80 K, but it would take us, and that's not including engineers, sales, all the other stuff. Uh, it would take us a long, it, it, would, it would take us about a year to break even on that. Um, I, I, I know that that's, that's about our math. So even we do one year contract, we don't make money on that client unless, unless they choose to continue to move forward with us after. And some would even is longer than that. So, uh, but I, I, we look at it like, so we would try to, uh, uh, acquire, acquire the client. Um, uh, we say we close, 20% of those, those deals, um, of, of the demos we have. And then we back into a price we'd look at in that case somewhere we'd like to acquire that, that qualified demo for about $2,000, which is, uh, which is kind of a, that, that would be our CP objective. On okay. That. And how long, how long is the average customer staying with you? One year, two years, three years. Uh, I mean, look, we've only been around for a little over three years. We'll take one divided by churn. Yeah, well, that that's how you typically look at that. I think that's a I think that's a crappy stat. Well, I don't, give me a different way to measure it and tell me how long the average person stays with you. I mean, everyone has cat. You must have these numbers. I'm sure they were in your. Of course we do. I just, yeah, no, I, I I don't. I mean, you could we can that number looks very good in our decks. I just think it's a stupid number by some Harvard analyst that actually doesn't make any sense in the real world. Well, so well, uh, I don't want well, to follow a person. Well, convince me to never ask that question again. Then. Yeah, it's it's if when that number one divided by your churn projects like. Your LT, it will project your LTV at like, oh, you're three and a half years or four years. Meanwhile, every year your business changes, your contract values change, um, your contract lengths change, your product can get better or worse. So it's really not relevant at all. And projecting out anything that projects at LTV a few years in advance is nonsense to me. So I think you, you got you to gotta look at it on a much more short-term basis. So I look at CPA objective based on where we currently are. What I consider the closer of my salespeople, 
what I consider a sales cycle, what what I think what I think is the potential upsell expansion opportunity based in that certain category. So like we can upsell e-commerce a lot more than say uh, B2B right now. So B2B, we'd have to acquire acquire those those leads or those qualified demos at a much lower price than e-commerce company because I knew the room for expansions differently. So yeah, just I guess like that's what I'm asking, Ryan. Yeah. Like if if you I mean, how can you know what you want to spend on a customer if you don't know how long they're gonna stay with you? I mean, even you you'll no, calculate what your upsell opportunities are and everything you just articulated, you'll add that into the LTV. So no one knows how long but what I'm saying that formula that formula is nonsense because it it, it just it takes where your current churn is or recent churn is uh, or aggregate churn. And it projects something to the future. You don't know that number. That number is always wrong. That number is well, sometimes. To, my point is, you have to start somewhere. So give me what's a better yeah, number do. to use. How do you get to a tangible? This customer is on average going to pay us two hundred grand, so we're willing to pay ten grand to acquire it. I mean, you have to have. I'm, I'm sure you have a number like that. Uh yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I told you, I I like to look at what's what's the CPA to acquire a qualified demo. Uh, we look at what our break even is over the course of the. Course of the so year. You said two thousand so, just to make sure everybody. You said two thousand to get a qualified demo, and how much will that qualified yeah, demo? So, so whatever, whatever this this way, look look at whatever whatever the whatever I think the contribution margin dollars are for that. Uh, I like to acquire that. I like to acquire that customer for twenty percent of what the of what the uh, the qual the 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 contribution margin dollars so are. So five that, to one. You could okay. you could say it's kind of like a five to one ratio. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm factoring in close rate of the salespeople and and. Since we have a small sales team, we we have a really good indicator of what what their close rates might, would be for certain pockets of the market. So okay. that, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on past unit economics. Yes. Where we I went way over on that because I want to make you know try and you know it's good. No one together. talks about this stuff. So Dude, it's what's uh, important. Look, I mean, it's super important. I talk to company. You know, I talk to a company every single day, and some people you know understand these. Some people make up their own numbers. And by the way, when we go back and raise money, I'd and you know, some people do it differently. So it's great. I don't even care. I, I I'll I'm gonna raise money without a deck. I don't give a shit about a deck. It's it's like here you're. you're this is what we're doing right now. You're going to want to work with us. This is what we mean. Uh, this is what we want to do going forward. And people are going to either invest in me and the other co-founders and what we've done. It's not going to be, it's, it's not going to come down to, it's not going to come down to a deck with a, with a CAC number in it. Sure. So, so, so help us. Uh, yeah, let's move forward. So you had a, a, a team of 150 folks. Are those all people in New York? Uh, we're about 85% New York. So we have a, uh, we have a few engineers, uh, a few people in biz dev. We have someone in London, and we're going to open up an office in in UK and Germany this year. And are you guys profitable or or are you or negative because you raise money? Uh, we we're we've always run a fundamentally sound business, so we, I think we were probably too profitable at one point. And we weren't investing enough in growth, uh, and now now we now we we operate, um, yeah, basically basically profitable. Wait, how do you operate? Uh, right, 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 but you raise you but and that's imp- I think that's impossible, isn't it? You raise seven and a half million bucks. You have to be in the red. No, um, you, you can, just, but you said you just put like three or four million bucks into into a lease in a place. You're telling me that subtracting all that off your your top line revenue, you're still in the black. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, your month on profitability has not when when you raise money it has nothing to do with your tip. Just typically, software companies are not profitable; they all lose money. But then you have a company like Atlassian. Uh, Atlassian was profitable; they had raised money before they IPO, then then they IPO'd. Uh, we just we just had a different business model. We we raised very little money compared to where our customer base, our revenue is because we are profitable, but it's, it's not like we had an extra three and a half million dollars sitting in the bank to pay for a security deposit. So that's a, uh, it's, 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 yeah, so it's that's an expense that. you played, yeah. right? I mean, you have to put that in your, in your P and L obviously. So you, you were in the red, obviously when you signed that, that part of the deal, right? No, no, that, that, that's, um, no, that, that's, <laughs> we don't need to go into accounting, but no, that security deposit gets spread out over the lease. So, uh, that, that's not part of your, your basic P and L. 
uh, on, on an ongoing basis. So. Well, I mean, so when you when you factor in like salaries of employees and you multiply, you know, let's I'm making this up. Oh, you salaries of employees are put in a PNL. No, hold on, just hold on one second. So usually when you have a salary of an employee, you know, most people I talk to, they they say, well, it's actually 150% because you have to figure out like Adobe Creative Suite for that person plus their office space and things like that. You're saying you don't include that in your PNL. Oh, not at all. No, I'm... <laughs> Of everything that should be included in a PL is included in a PL. A security deposit and lease is not included in a PL and under any accounting standard. So we follow, yeah, every everything that's an actual cost, whether it's a person, whether it's a desk, everything's in a well, regular office PNL. space, though. That's, I mean, office space is included in our PL, but uh, the security, okay, I'm that, saying the security deposit costs us over $3 million, which is not a PL line item. Oh, so, God, I got it, got it. So, so that's your, your, rent, lease, yeah. your lease is in $3 million per month. No, no, that'd or be $3 crazy. Million annually. We, we, no, no, we, uh, um, why do they, that's no, interesting. No. Is that just a New York thing? Why do they require such a high security deposit? Uh, well, we, we have a 32,000 square foot floor here. Okay. So it's, uh, and there, and in New York, it's just very competitive. The price per square foot is somewhere between 60 and $80. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot. The, the, it's, we, we pay a few million dollars a year in, in rent. Uh, which does get counted on our PL. So Got that's it. that was a big line item. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of, that makes more sense. Sorry, I misunderstood so, that. So we we needed we needed to absorb <laughs> that rent and that one time like three and a half million dollar security deposit. Which is why, so, yeah, that's where some of the money went. Cool. Okay, yeah. hey, top tribe, we're gonna link to all this in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top two five three. Again, just remember two five three. Ryan, if people want to connect with you personally online, where can they do that, man? Uh Look, I, I choose one medium, which is email. I'm Ryan at bouncex.com. I'm very good at answering email. So I don't have a, I have no assistance or anything. It's, it's me. So I shut down text, Twitter, voicemail, fact, you can fax me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, just, just, just email me. I'm, I'm pretty good there. Okay. So, so many of you have been asking me, you're an agency and you bill for your time or you have, you're a coach and you sell your hours to coaching clients. Well, stop fooling around with Word documents and templates or Excel files to try and send your invoicing. Okay. I just did it. I use this thing called FreshBooks. It's a tool. It takes me about 34 seconds to create and send an invoice. And here's why I love it. If you're a coach or an agency, you know how you always spend time begging and pestering your clients to pay? Well, Fresh books makes and becomes the bad guy for you. They'll send late payment reminders, which means you don't have to chase people down and strain the relationship. So I love that. Additionally, when you create the invoice in the upper left, you can put your own brand logo and things in there so you can stay on brand and professional. So here's the deal. You know, the show is all about numbers. And the most important thing listening for everybody is that FreshBooks is a simple even if you're not a numbers person. Well, you know, actually, especially if you're not a numbers person, don't you dare come on my show and expect me not to ask you numbers questions. You guys know that I do. I go for the jugular and you now can use FreshBooks to keep your numbers organized. To get your free month, go to nathanlatka.com forward slash FreshBooks and enter the top in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan, you can see Sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to HostGator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now.
All right, perfect. Ryan, we'll get that in the show notes. We're getting uh, pumped up. This is my favorite part of the show. My heart beats faster. I feel a little blood going through my veins. You know what time it is? Come on. Famous Five. Yeah, I was about to say, you just got major help from, from other <laughs> other people there in the studio. It's time for the Famous Five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book? Uh, favorite business book, I'd say, is not a business book at all, but I applied to business. It's Robert Cialdini's Psychology of Persuasion. You can read that book and, and take anything and apply it to your business. It's not like, oh, how do I sell better? Uh, that's a great one. Dan Ariely's book recently, um, Predictably Irrational. I, I just love behavioral economists, behavioral psychologists, because you, you can, once you, once you learn like why people do what they do or what makes people tink, people tink, uh, people tick or think, uh, yeah, it, it's just you can apply that in any, any facet of your life. So I think that's the best business book. Awesome. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? No. Okay. Um, no. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have, like Evernote? Uh, online tools? Uh, I, I use Evernote. I uh, think it's okay. Gmail? Yeah. I think, I think G, G, Gmail's gotten actually pretty good. Google Calendar's great. So I, I, I use those all the time. Pretty simple. All right. Number four, as you're... I have a Nexus 6P as my phone. If, if anyone's <laughs> interested in that, I'm not an Apple guy. As you're, as you're building this business, yes or no, are you getting eight hours of sleep every night? No, uh, but this year, I, I no one cares about New Year's resolutions. But my mine this year was to to get some better sleep. And uh, what what I had to cut out was TV shows, which which hasn't been bad at all. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been now getting six to seven. But I it was uh, the first few years of the business. Uh, I subscribed to the Bloomberg thing, where it's like I don't go to the bathroom at work because like that's five minutes of the day that I don't get back, uh, and I didn't take any vacation. That was stupid. So now we force people to go on vacation. I take time off. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting more sleep now. I moved five minutes away from the office to give me an extra half hour in a day. So now time, time is the most precious resource. Um, mo- none of my meetings are more than a half hour. So that's uh, no bullshit meetings. Uh, so I am trying to get more sleep though. That's, that's right. And I changed, uh, I changed the lighting in my room. I got the Philips Hue uh, lighting. So it's like that soft lighting. Um, I try not to read screens before I go to sleep. I put my phone far away from where I can't reach it uh, on my nightstand, so I'm not tempted to check it. And um, yeah, I just I fall asleep within a few minutes, whenever whenever that is. Awesome. All right, last question, Ryan. Uh, what's your, actually what's your situation before? Are you married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, single. Okay, single. Oh. Great. I, so- I tried the married thing, marriage thing for eight months. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it for a long term, so. Yeah, A-B testing, right? No, just kidding. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so A-B test. Uh, yeah. So, and how old are you right now, Ryan? How old? Uh, 36. Okay, take us back 16 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, to drop out of college. That would have been... I wish I dropped out of college. Oh, wait, so you didn't drop out? You went through the whole thing? Yeah, I did at grad school. Uh, I should have dropped out of college. Um, I, I, there was no startups in New York then, but um, it... I was I'm like, oh, let me start my own, let me start my own business, make some money, and let me. I was too stubborn. I wanted to do everything on my own. Uh, so I, uh, I mean, I already made good friends. For say, being in school two years would have been really good. And then, and then just uh, then just probably working the city and and doing things that would have been that would have been a change. But I, I don't really regret anything. Um, just uh, I, I think everybody has that thing about themselves where they. They feel like not that it's a failure, but they're they feel like they're underachieving and things are taking longer than they want to take. Um, and there's some things that everyone assumes as the thing you do, like oh, you go to school and you finish school and um, you do all this stuff. And yeah, and in the '60s, you looked at everyone would turn 18, get married, have kids. It wasn't a choice. 
there's more choice now. And I think in the future, college going there, maybe getting some value out of it. The finishing the college degree, I don't think is going to be as necessary in the future. Mm-hmm. So, well, top uh, myself, top tribe. There you have it. Get the hell out of school much, much faster from Ryan, who left Bonobos, launched his business, did $17 million in 2015. His goal is to hit a run rate of $40 million by December 2016, which would mean he'd do $3.3 million at the end of this year in an ideal world. Ryan, thank you for taking us to the top. If you guys enjoyed Ryan today, go back and listen to Omar's episode yesterday. He's taken no funding and is doing $2.6 million per year with his SaaS business, Webinar Ninja. His full show notes are at nathanlacka.com forward slash the top 252. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.